Welcome back to FinTalk brought to you by Vermo. Here we discuss pressing topics in fintech, regtech, covering regulatory, collateral, and digital across banking and insurance and finance. Vermic has been proud to deliver innovative software solutions in the industry with stability and cost efficiency for our global Rostock clients. With over 20 years of trusted transformation in finance and insurance, we're bringing industry's top expertise to FinTalk. I'm Jared Akta, and I'll be your host for this podcast. Welcome back to FinTalk, brought to you by Jared Akta. Today we have Paul Whitmore. Paul, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Great to be in the studio, right? Yes, <laughs> Today's topic is going to be SCRA. Before we dive into it, are you able to just to tell our listeners what brings you and what brings you up to here and what you to CR, SCRA? Sure. It's the new Basel final reforms, essentially. So we've been given a little bit of a break since COVID, two-year break. It was supposed to be implemented by the Basel jurisdictions in 1st of Jan 2023. It's been pushed back now to the 1st of Jan 2025. So they're changing the way that banks assign risk weights to their bank exposures. So part of the new standardised approach is you have to bucket your unrated exposures. Previously, there was one single risk weight for all unrated bank exposures. Now there's going to be four different buckets, essentially. Just touching on that, you mentioned 1st of January 2025 now. Obviously, that's the same go-live date as Basel 3.1. So the impacts with all the clients talking about and preparing for Basel 3.1 and all the conversations happening, uh, I'm sure you guys are also involved. Where does this sit? And where, where's the importance sits, of it, really? This sits squarely. Some people call it 3.1. I call it Basel 3 final reforms. Some people call it Basel 4. It's essentially the same thing. Yeah. It's the latest iteration of Basel 3. So if we want to call it Basel 3.1, we can. So what they're actually saying is approach. So banks were often allowed to use their own LGD estimations for their Basel calculations. They're saying, no, you're no longer doing that. We're telling you what the LGD number is. And also banks who were previously benefiting from using a foundation IRB approach, so estimating their PDs, their probabilities of default, they've said, yeah, it's a little bit unfair now. You know, there's only the select few could afford to invest in models, in data, in expertise to develop their IRB models. When Basel looked at it 10 years after implementing it, they said, everyone disagrees with everyone else. You know, surely there should be some kind of commonality between the experience of credit worthiness with a particular institution, but all of these banks disagree. Some rate a triple B, some a single B, some a double B, which is always going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. People have their own models and their own data. So to try to avoid that variance, they're saying, right, we're going to restrict the use of those IRB models for bank exposures. And they call it the output floor. So all banks will have to go through the process of calculating their risk-weighted assets using the standardised approach. The SCRA is a component of the new standardised approach. As I mentioned earlier, the standardised approach as it stands now, you look at a rating or a selection of ratings, assign a risk weight based on a table. Okay, On the right-hand side of those tables, it just had one column which was unrated. So they were essentially treating all unrated banks the same. Now they've said, if it's unrated, you've got to make a decision of what bucket, which four buckets to put that unrated 
bank into, and each will be assigned a risk weight. Just I don't know whether I answered your question. No, you did. I, I do want to touch upon, but just pause on the on the unrated bank. So I do want to come back to that and probably give you an example, be on the spot here. But just kind of going back on the on the rating side, um, we talk about RWAs. RWAs are uh, it's money, right? It's saving saving some money with the economic climate right now. See and stuff we've seen in, in, in you know like sort of SVB and everything else that's come on. How important is it? Now, more so, I'm starting to look at it a little bit more critical eye, should we say. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, there, there are certain thresholds. So, you know, say there's 21 rating grade if you look at the three mm. main external credit as, uh, assessment institutions. They are grouped into five groupings, if you like, under Basel. Okay, there's five different risk buckets for banks. If you cross that threshold and something gets downgraded from, I can't remember what they are offhand, but you can suffer a downgrade and that will have a large impact on your capital. You'll have to find more capital because that institution is deemed more risky, therefore more capital required. And it could be double the amount of capital just by one notch downgrade, essentially. So the same happens with the unrated side. In these four buckets, the four buckets just say, so you know, are 30%, 40%, 75%, 150%. and 150%. So I think you can already see, okay, well, 75% to 150% is quite a, quite a big jump. And, you know, the, the more exposure you have, the larger that capital will be. Yeah, so but then will that then drive banks to move away from unrated banks? on that risk of that one notch downgrade. And a one notch downgrade on a, on a rated bank is, I mean, it's, it's bad, but it's not too bad. It, depend, it depends what kind of threshold you, you know, from investment grade to some investment grade, then it is probably yeah. not far off double. With unrated banks, every, if you don't have the data you need to assign it into a grade A or B, by default, it goes into grade C, and grade C is 150%. So what we're trying to encourage clients to think about is understand what data you need to calculate a grade A or a grade B for that unrated bank. So what Basel have said is, look, we'll look at minimum capital requirements of the jurisdiction where your bank exposure is and compare that to the ratios of the bank that you have exposure to. Okay. So if you've got those two bits of data, and they're favourable, and you know your common equity tier one ratio is greater than the minimum requirement of that jurisdiction, then you've got every likelihood of getting a grade A or a B, therefore either 30, 40 or 75% risk weight, and avoiding the big increase to 150%. So you know, I, I think there will be an appetite for people to get this data. And the reason we're talking about this is because that data is tricky to get hold of <laughs> because you're talking about 180 different countries, 100, you know, whatever languages, uh, trying to source data from these central banks and these regulatory websites is not an easy task. And even once you've sourced it, it's monitoring it because yeah. buffers will change, not only the jurisdictional buffers, but the bank individual buffers will change on a, uh, you know, maybe a quarter by quarter basis. So it's, monitoring those changes as well yeah and it's applying new governance really to yeah to yeah. get i mean to get getting some of that information is 
Nine impossible on, in some yeah, and, central and it banks. it is a trade-off. It is a trade-off. I think some banks will be thinking, we are so well capitalised and we can handle 150% risk weight. You know, we've done the stress test. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And we're good. So we don't need this extra burden of collecting it. Others will want to reduce their capital charge. And if they do nothing, everything's going to be 150%. The fact is you have to do something if you want to avoid that jump to 150% risk weight. Currently under Basel 3, there's option one and option two for unrated banks, and they're normally 50% or 100% risk weight. As of the 1st of Jan 2025, the norm is going to be 150% risk weight with the opportunity to reduce that to either 75%, 40%, or 30%, dependent on if you understand what the minimum regulatory requirements are of the country that you have a bank exposure yeah. to, and you understand that bank specific ratios and compare the two. And, and is that dependent on maturity or the exposure as well? Both. Yeah, yeah. So anything under 90 days or three months, again, jurisdiction by jurisdiction. So when we talk about Basel, don't forget Basel is just a framework, it's guidelines. Everyone agrees in Switzerland for 28 members or whatever it is, and they all nod their heads and agree. They all go back and then the lawmakers may disagree and then implement something close to the framework, but not verbatim of what uh, the BCBS has, has put in place. So every jurisdiction's slightly different. That's the key, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think people forget that Basel is not the regulation. Yeah. It's a framework. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a guide, yeah. really. And I think that gets to read too much into that sometimes. Um, yeah. Because a PRA could turn around and say, nah, don't like that. Exactly. And Yeah. I'll give you an example. So the Canadian regulators, that came into effect this year, they've given banks an option of how to treat unrated banks. You can use the simplified approach. So one risk weight for all unrated banks, but you've got to stick with it. You can't swap and choose. Or you can adopt the SCRA. So most Canadian banks have opted for the simplified approach. Let's just stick with I think it's 50% risk weight. That's not a bad compromise. We might not benefit from a 30% or a 40% risk weight, but we are avoiding the 150% risk weight. Yeah. So it was the regulators of Canada to make that decision on what's best for their country. And every country will implement something slightly different, I think. Yeah, that's always, it's always been the case, right? It's yeah. Throughout Basel, yeah. or just Basel 3. I want to know what can banks do? I know we said, with this change happening now, everyone's thinking about all the stuff that's going on. The banks that don't do anything, you know, and believe that they're fully capitalized and they're, you know, they've done the risk, the stress test and they, you know, they, they absorb all that, all the, all, all the changes. But for the ones that do want to make the change, obviously there'll be material upgain as well. Where do you see in your experience as well, where have you seen banks starting to do stuff now about it? Yeah, they, they started a little bit before COVID, if I'm honest, because don't forget it was the first yeah, jam 2023. Then they closed the book for 24 months. Then they didn't even take a peek. So it's only in the last six months that interest has really picked up again, where they've got to do their quantitative impact study. You know, every bank will have various stakeholders and those stakeholders will want to know what the capital position is now and what would it be in the new dawn in 18 months time. So what stakeholders don't want to see is spikes. They don't want yeah. to see a huge difference in capital on the 1st of January 2023. So people should be managing that now. 
So looking at different rating grades, looking at the prospect of uh, using different agencies, what happens to their unrated bank portfolio. And we're just talking banks at the moment. Yeah. Forget the Basel three reforms, you know, have changed risk weights for residential mortgages, et cetera. We're just talking about banks at the moment because the way that unrated banks are treated is changing. And I think that's quite a big change when you consider how many different relationships bank have, you know, on an interbank basis. So you've seen a lot of firms doing assessments internally and Yeah. And and we try to help them as well. You know, we we've got the the data, we've got the information. And you learn a lot from speaking to clients, as you know. You know yeah. You hear one client's doing a, a an impact study and start asking questions. You think, well, maybe we can make life a little bit easier for the next client and the next client and the next client. So, yeah. Yeah. And it, it's good due diligence is, is what I would expect. So, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. And we're, we're trying to help them as much as we can with that. What's the um, due diligence uh, and then all the impact analysis and everything else going forward? Yes, you say you're right. We are only talking about banks. There are a whole host of rating changes across the board. Where else can they then benefit from this or what other things can they, small wins, right? Everyone wants a small win somewhere. Yeah, good question. Banks will always have exposure to other banks, either on a short term or long term basis. And they usually are quite large. You know, any of the pillar three disclosures behind sovereigns, its institutions, then it's, it's maybe corporates, I think. So this will probably have the, the, the largest impact. I think what people have to try and think about is it's not just this unrated bank thing. It's how bank exposures are being treated by all of the Basel proposals. So no longer can you estimate your own LGD. Okay. You could use your own rating assessment previously, but now Basel has said, well, everyone disagrees and there's too many variances. So we're going to create an output floor and that output floor is 72.5%. So what they're recommending on what jurisdictions are implementing over a five-year period is saying, you've all got to do it on the standardized approach. The big banks, you can still use your IRB, but we're going to limit the risk weights used from your IRB model to whatever it is, 27.5% over five years. But just on that, we're, at the moment we're talking about Basel and, and kind of focusing on the UK side of it. Are you seeing impacts movement across the pond, especially with what's happened? Um, yeah, it's difficult because there's a lot of consultation papers are out at the moment. And in my opinion, when you, you, know, you look at the US, they don't want to disadvantage themselves by announcing the changes that they're making before the EU do. So they normally find themselves in sync when the EU announced something in the US, well, and vice versa. Because you imagine, you know, if a jurisdiction implements early, are they gaining an advantage for their banking institutions or a disadvantage compared to the other global players? Some may say a disadvantage because, uh, you know, because we may be increasing the risk weights for those unrated banks, you know, who can't get the data. So they are jumping from 50%, 100% up to 150%. So with regards to the US, the US don't use ratings anyway. Okay. So the US are not allowed to use ratings for capital reporting purposes. So they, in fact, use the OECD country risk classifications, which is a scale of one to seven. 
we're hopeful and our clients are hopeful that they'll adopt a bit more of the Basel III final reform framework, including the SCRA. They feel it's more granular. They feel that the, the data is accessible and they feel that it's a bit more of a due diligence rather than looking at a country from a one to seven scale and judging all banks in that country the same as the country risk classification. Pretty similar to one of the options on Basel II where, you know, you have to have it one notch lower than the sovereign rate. The sovereign rate, yeah. The institution. I think they feel that this gives a little bit more granularity to to that process. Yeah. They've never really implemented Basel, did they? So I think the changes now that are going to come in are going to be... That's right. Yeah. I, th- I think it's, you know, with Dodd-Frank, it was one of those situations where everyone agrees in Switzerland. And then, you know, when you ask your constituents, uh, I think the senators, Dodd and Frank, thought, well, no, we've got to protect our constituents. So it's all well and good adopting a framework, but we're going to enhance that framework to suit our need, which makes sense. And yeah. I, I think the UK and the EU will do something similar. The EU have different rules set around what they call third countries. So yes, understand what your exposure is, but really that bank that you have exposure to has to meet our minimum requirements or better. Okay. So that again, the framework is still kind of being adopted but there's nuances and every jurisdiction is going to have a slightly different flavour to it. Australia didn't implement the SCRA. They're fully on board with the Basel three final reforms, but decided on a simplified approach again. They felt, you know, after speaking to three or four of the large banks in Australia, they said APRA felt that um, the SCRA was too complicated, which I don't think it is, as these banks were laughing at that, saying, well, we all said it was a great approach, but APRA, you know, d- decided that it was too complicated to implement at this time. So they've gone for a, a simplified approach again. You mentioned equivalent, especially it's that equivalent regime in the in the EU, EU and the UK. How's that going to be different to what it is now? Again, they, they produced. I think it was late October last year. They produced a draft for the capital requirement regulation and the capital requirement directive. So nothing set in stone yet. And it's particularly, I, I don't know whether you've read these documents, they're, they're really challenging to read. Quite long. Because they, well, they yeah. reference all of these other articles. Yeah, and, and who knows how it's all going to work out. These are just proposals. Hasn't been made into law yet. How I've interpreted it is if EU banks have exposure to third countries, that third country is expected to have the same standard or better than that which have been implemented in the EU. Mm. kind of makes sense yeah kind of makes sense but it's not true to the wording of what the Basel 3 final reform said which basically says if you're a bank in jurisdiction X that bank has to adhere to the minimum requirements of jurisdiction X not the requirement of jurisdiction Y who holds the exposure so it's just um, you know a a different interpretation of it you mentioned the uh, unrated banks, so currently some banks will take, depending on the sovereign rating, one notch lower um, than the sovereign. Where the sovereign is unrated, yeah, is that is that changing or are we, are we expecting to see that to stay in line or, you know? No, I'm not. I'm, I, I'm expecting the EU to fully implement the SCRA in the draft. It looks like they are. So those options will be taken off the table. But 
I think the national supervisors of each EU country will be given a little bit of latitude of, of how they really want to implement it. Yeah, because that will impact quite a lot of banks. Final words, thoughts, or uh, what should uh, what should banks do? Panic, not yeah, panic. I, I think banks should take this seriously. I think banks should be looking at doing their own quantitative impact study, not not just about the unrated banks, it's about the rated banks as well. For the larger banks, this standardised approach is new to them. Yeah. They spend millions and millions of dollars creating their internal rating-based approach. They, you know, they've got lots of data, lots of quants, lots of um, analytics around that. They will have to do this in addition to that. So it's new for them. Yeah. So they'll have to understand what the rules are around ECRA, the external credit rating assessment approach, as well as the SCRA. So all of that's going to be new. So they really should be start looking now, what is their impact on their capital ratios as of the 1st of Jan 2025? There's no reason why they can't look at what it is now and look at what it would be if it was implemented today. And I think they'll see that that capital changes quite a lot. Sometimes for the positive, sometimes for the negative. It will be dependent on what your what your exposure is. So what we're hoping to do is at least limit any increase and potentially reduce the capital charges that that, that banks have. And that's the uh, and that's everyone's gain is the I, I reduce so. the capital I, I and uh, so. yeah. yeah, please all the shareholders, right? Exactly. Exactly <laughs> that. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Paul. And uh, thank you to all our listeners. Thanks for having me. Thank you.